Hello and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders and this is episode 4 of the show. Today I'm speaking with Danish fiddle player Maja Kjær-Jakobsen. Uh, and that was a very Norwegian pronunciation of her name, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt the Danish one. But Maja is an interesting musician that I've been following for a while now. And I'm very happy that she agreed to come on the show. So my main idea for this episode was to talk about Danish folk music, which is something I know very little about. So that's kind of where we start off. But as the conversation progresses, we get into ideas about musical identity and what it means to be a bearer of a musical tradition. And also how you can find your own unique voice as a folk musician in today's world, which I think is something that is very important. And in the end, we also touched on some strategies for how musicians can get into the international folk scene, which is something Maya has a lot of experience with. So uh, I had a great time speaking with Maya, and I hope that you will enjoy listening to our conversation as well. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Maya Kjær-Jakobsen. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Very welcome. So um, I'm really happy that you could join me for this episode because um, today's topic is uh, Danish folk music. Uh, and now, I'm not sure if we have actually met in real life, but um, I'm a good friend with one of your bandmates, Elise Hildrum. So uh, I've sort of been following your band and, and you for a while now. And I'm very impressed with uh, what you've been able to do. Like you've put out a couple of great albums and... And you've been doing a lot of traveling. It seems like every time I scroll Instagram, you're in some new place in Australia or or the US or somewhere. So uh, really cool. Um, and I know that you also have projects with musicians from all over the world. So uh, it would be interesting to to talk to you about that a little bit. Um, but before we <laughs> go come to that, um, the reason why I want to talk about Danish folk music, and sorry for talking forever, I just want to <laughs> let you know where I'm coming from. <laughs> so um, my background as a musician is in jazz, and then I discovered um, folk music in my mid-20s, uh, starting out with Irish music, as one often does. Uh, and I moved to Ireland and spent a couple of years, couple of years there. Uh, but after returning to Norway, I discovered all the great music that we have in our country. Um, and through the Norwegian scene, I then went on to discover the Swedish scene with all the great bands uh, and stuff that they have there. But I never really got around to to learn much about the Danish scene. Um, and it, it seems to me that the Danish music is a bit more hidden than the Norwegian and Swedish, perhaps. Um but, I mean, the Scandinavian countries, Norway, Sweden and Denmark, uh, we share so much in terms of culture and language, food, uh, everything. So, obviously, we share a lot when it comes to folk music as well. Um, but in terms of this conversation, I'm coming into this with zero knowledge. <laughs> so, so it's up to you now to kind of educate me and, and the listeners about uh, Danish folk music. So, a lot of responsibility. Um, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and also, I feel a bit ashamed because I'm actually um, one quarter Danish. Uh, my grandmother uh-huh. came from a place just outside Olborg in Denmark. So, um, yeah, it's about time that I, I, I really learned this stuff. So, But but before, uh, sorry, before we go into all that, maybe you could quickly introduce yourself, um, your musical journey, 
uh, and what you're all about? Yes. Um, well, I grew up in uh, central Jutland. That's Jutland is the part of Denmark that's connected to Germany, and um, and my father is a actually a, a, a folk singer, a guitarist, and um, and the whole family used to go out to small festivals and and the community halls to hear him play with his band when we were little, and um, so I kind of grew up with this sort of environment, um, and. We Would that to... be Danish folk music that your father no, was singing? No, that's uh, that's actually the the Irish, uh, Scottish, English folk songs, okay. uh, popular folk songs, that sort of thing. Um, so we used to go to Tuna Festival a lot, the whole family and his band and their families. So it was a whole which, gang. Which is a great folk festival in in Denmark, right? Yes, kind of that's the mm. the biggest folk festival in Denmark that goes back to 1973 or something like that. Mm. Um, And um, so my whole musical upbringing was actually with with uh, Irish and Scottish fiddlers that came to this festival, and they were oh. sort of my my idols. Oh, cool! Yeah. Um, but when when I started playing the fiddle, I really wanted to get a teacher that was uh, from that sort of genre in folk music. But the only one I could find in Denmark was a traditional Danish fiddler called Klaus Penstrup. Mm -hmm. um, um, so I started taking lessons with him um, when I was, what, 18 or something. And um, and it sort of convinced me that I had to play Danish music instead of Irish and Scottish music. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> because I... I realized that there's, even though the the tunes in Danish music is, um, that they're pretty simple. If you see them written down, they're very simple, as are many folk tunes and traditional tunes uh, in this part of the world. Mm. Uh, but it's the the style behind it, it's the interpretation and the traditional way to play them that make them interesting and difficult. Um, so there was a lot of um, uh, challenge in playing those tunes, even though they were simple. And I kind of, I just dived into that whole uh, world with like totally open mind and yeah, really wanted to learn what that was all about. Also hmm. to kind of have something to um, to offer when I'm when I was traveling. Uh, I was really missing that whole aspect of my own musical culture. Um, so, and and visiting places like Norway or Sweden or Ireland, uh, I realized that I was really missing that part of my own culture. So yeah. I really wanted to learn that and um, and to find out how to present that in a well, very national but un on you know not in a political way but more like a cultural proud yeah. way yeah yeah I, i think you're talking about like musical identity in a way yeah yeah which um, which i find very interesting as well because uh, well i suppose i have a similar story to you even though i took an even bigger detour through jazz and an irish folk and then whenever when i was living in ireland uh from time to time someone would ask me in, in a jam session, 
or plays a Norwegian tune. And mm-hmm. I realized I didn't know I didn't know anything about Norwegian no. music. I didn't even know what it <laughs> sounded like. So, mm. so yeah, I suppose that kind of I felt like I okay, this is kind of my music uh, in, in a way, even though I don't believe yeah. any ethnical group owns a certain type of music. But exactly, it, it's still yeah. there's just something about um, I don't know your own history in a way. Exactly, and. Um, that's what I find interesting about folk music and traditional music is that it doesn't really matter where it's from. It's more about the people who played it mm. and and telling the story of of this particular area and the stories about those fiddlers who had the music a uh, hundred and one hundred and fifty years ago. And um, that people today still talk about people today still know about these fiddlers and that I find really uh, really interesting and amazing that stories like that can keep on going but that's just how tradition works mm. I guess um, all all other sorts of traditions too uh, like the way we celebrate Christmas I'm sure that we did some they did some of the same things 150 years ago as we do today but, yeah. um, and still it's different and I like that whole that that whole story that comes with the development <laughs> mm. evolution. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting how some things just survive through through history. Yeah. So I mean, these tunes, there must have been something about them. Yes. That that made them kind of live live on through the centuries, basically. Yeah. Um, and also uh, like working with I I mainly work with with traditional music and and songs from this area where I grew up because there's not there isn't any other fiddler or singer in Denmark that works with that specifically so oh, there's really? really room for making that mine so mm. to speak that there's no other person who like has that as their specialty um at the same time, I'm I'm still learning from all the people that know a lot more about Danish music all over the country um, to to kind of shape this tradition. Uh, that I'm I, I'm not inventing that tra- this tradition. I'm just kind of rediscovering it, I guess. But does um, that mean that there's no uh, sort of living tradition of mu- folk music in in your area? Is there? Not did you have to learn area. from uh, source recordings and notations, or was there yeah. actually fiddlers you could learn tunes from? Uh, all three, like okay. notated music and um, living people and recordings. So, mm. but there's only like my teacher Klaus Pinstrup. He knew some tunes from a fiddler that used to, that came from this area, but he moved away when he was young, and that person played together with this person that wrote down the music um and i found this notebook about 10 years ago and so i've been working with that material too and there's recording of the guy who my teacher knew so it's kind of i'm fourth generation like somehow (laughs) it's i'm there i'm the one i am (laughs) am the one even though it's kind of strange to to think of myself as a, a a bearer of a tradition that doesn't live here anymore. Yeah, it's it's yeah. all on your shoulders now. Uh, yeah, hmm. <laughs> another great responsibility. But it's it's great to to also figure out how to do that when mm, because because you have to do it in your own way, right? Yeah, 
So you of. have to kind of insert your personality into the mu- music. You're not just exactly. P- you're not you're not purely a vehicle for like um, displaying something from the olden days. You you no. kind of have to like develop it and keep it alive. It for basically, myself. yeah, I have to reinvent it for myself to to make it fit with what I'm capable of and what I like. Mm. Um, so again, like yes, it's it's material. It's it's music or or melodies that come from this area that have been popular in this area a long time ago but then my own background is in a lot of different places with like different kinds of Scandinavian music and Irish music and Canadian music so it's all kind of I have this um, it's not purely Danish and nothing is anyway so I, I feel like I'm very allowed to to shape the music as I see it, or as I experience it. But w- would you say that that's typical of Danish folk musicians of your generation? Because in in Norway, um, a lot of the people I know on the folk scene, they're still very much about Norwegian music, and mm-hmm. and even perhaps very regional. So, like I know fiddlers who prefer to only play tunes from their own valley. Yeah. Uh, whereas it seems to me uh, that the Danish scene might be a bit more outward looking from the outset, yeah. maybe? I think it's a it's an attempt to actually, um, exactly like I'm doing, trying to make things um, work in in our, like in, in, in this time. Um, mm. Because there's, there are a few places in Denmark where, where it's still like the living tradition um, but there's not a lot of the, the the old traditional fiddlers left, and it started already in the 80s or the 70s, where there was a lot of um, interest in regional or like traditional singers and 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 players from all over the country, and people used to travel all over the country to meet these people and to play with them. So you find yeah. people in Shelland who see themselves as bearers of a tradition from Western Jutland and and like that because they used to travel around mm. um a lot of people um so it's it's not really it's not completely um set <laughs> in these places anymore it's again it's more about the people who consider themselves a traditional bearer of the uh, music that comes from a person who lived another place yeah so it, it comes back to the the feeling of identity again yeah in, in, in a way yeah, and I think it it relates more to the the um, um, the relationship between those people. So, when you meet someone you like and you like to hang out with, you like their stories, uh, the way they play their music. There's nothing that tells you that you can't play with this person or can't tell the same stories, um, just because you don't live in the same place. Mm. I think that's that's that was very much the the mentality behind it in the seventies and eighties because there were there were these tradition bearers, uh, musicians and singers who didn't really have anywhere else to go with their music anymore. So the fact that these young people came to and were interested in their traditions um, gave them new life so to speak. Yeah. Uh, mm. There was a big gap like from the late 40s, 50s um, until the 70s where folk music and traditional music wasn't really popular in Denmark at all. 
but when when the hippie culture came in uh, and started being interested in that whole scene, all these old fiddlers and singers they they really had somewhere to put their um the, their heart you know their, mm. their yeah I, there's a lot of um stories or i've heard a lot of places that these old people that they they sort of had a break for 30 20 30 years where they couldn't play their music because no one was uh, interested basically yeah what you mean yeah okay. And then all of a sudden, all these young people came in and they were just like, yes, we can play it for someone, with someone. Someone's, someone's interested in carrying this, this music mm. um, into the future. So that was very important for also today's um, way of seeing or playing the music. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, well, you talked about or you said in the introduction that Danish music was a bit hidden. Well, and, that's um, that's just my my no, um, I, it's my a good experience it's a good, of it anyway. Yeah, it's a good like it's a good image or or picture of how it works because um, Denmark as a country has even though we've all like we have the same the shared history and and some culture and all that we Denmark is still attached to the continent. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, or some of Denmark anyway, and and that I think has a big has had a bit big influence on the music too, because um, people from south could just walk into Denmark, and there's been a lot of trade that way too. Mm. Um, so the music as well has become some kind of melting pot with continental music, uh, yeah. because it was very easily easy accessible, and also like seafair. Uh, to, towards the west, to the, the England and Scotland, and Ireland. So we have a lot in common with the, the continental f- f- traditional music, as well as the British Isles and the, that sort of place, that sort mm. of tradition, and then the rest of Scandinavia, Scandinavia and the Nordic countries. So you find all these little like bits and pieces of you can like you can actually say oh that was from france in that period of time or that was from uh, england or scotland in that period of time or that thing came back from norway in that time and mm. so you can c- kind of follow history and and the movement of peoples um, yeah. in the where, music as well whereas i suppose you can contrast it with some Norwegian traditions that have kind of developed undisturbed in some valley for exactly. 300 years. And, and, just... and that's what I meant by hidden. So, <laughs> yeah. like, your music has been yeah. hidden away from the rest of the world, whereas our music in Denmark has developed with influences from all over the place. Yeah, that's so, a good point. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, I I think that's very... It's a, it's a good picture of <laughs> how it worked. Um, but I suppose also... also sorry? Um, also, because in between 1660 and the year 1800, I think something like that, there was um, a system made uh, made by the the king where um, not every fiddler, not every player could play for celebrations and dancing, and you had to have a license from the king to be able to play professionally or in any way, basically. And um, so that made 
it difficult to pass on the musical and, and dancing traditions in Denmark. Um, apart from the like, those places that were secluded enough, ha- uh, it's their traditions that have lived on until today. Mm. Um, like Feyenoord, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and like the the northwestern part of Jutland, um, and and a few other places, but and and they still have their music tradition and their own the the specific style. Mm. Um, and that was only mainly because they were secluded yeah well enough to kind of hide their tradition or, or not like make a big deal out of it so there were the musicians were there and you can't, couldn't really call on other musicians anyway so you had to use the ones that they were there yeah i i think we had a similar dynamic in norway but there's just more places to hide in norway so. yeah <laughs> probably <laughs> Um, so that when, when the, the, when everybody was allowed to be, be a musician again in the early 1800s, um, of course the, the thing that most of the fiddlers picked up was the modern music of that age. So that's why we have so many waltzes and so many polkas and mm. That sort of thing, because that was the popular music in the beginning and mid 1800s, basically. So, but do you have but, uh, equivalent music of what we find in Norway and Sweden, uh, like basically those old dances with asymmetrical uh, beats? Do you have that kind um, of style as well? Well, it, it's. I would say that all Danish music is a bit asymmetrical, but it's not. <laughs> it, you can't really hear it if you don't know what it is it's not as obvious or evident as the the very asymmetrical tunes or styles from Norway and Sweden and and but sorry if, is... if anyone is listening to this and they don't know what that means it basically means that like a lot of the music in Norway especially even if there's you count three bars no three beats every bar like one two three the music is actually played one two three one two three or some similar thing like that. Very weird, um, but that's the way it is. Very nice. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, I sort of, I think I figured that out about the Danish music, that it is kind of asymmetrical in a way when I went to Ireland and kind of tried to figure out the difference between a reel and a polka, mm-hmm. like a, a, an Irish reel and a Danish polka. Like, what is the difference? Why does it sound different? How, what do I do to make it sound the way it does? And um, and kind of figure out the, the way to make it all a little bit asymmetrical. Mm. So it's never played completely straight. It might look straight in a, in a piece of music, in a sheet music, and it might sound straight if you don't know what what it what to look for what to listen for but it's it's there i mean yeah. putting a, a danish polka into the hands of a swedish person or a norwegian person they wouldn't be able to play it i have to say no it, it, it the, wouldn't sound danish, danish anymore it, no it wouldn't and and that's um that's all because there's a little bit of push and pull we call it so of course, there are rules about how to make this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. How to make the the push and pull work? 
but it like it very simply put it's you have the beats or the like the the well yes the beats and then all the everything in between can be pushed and pulled a little bit so mm. it's always the beat is always there sort of and then <laughs> you of course you have to learn the <clears throat> the language um, I, I find of, that this is what's so hard with teaching folk music because it's it's all about those little small subtleties that makes the big difference. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. the performers themselves don't necessarily know exactly what it is that they do. Like not talking no. about you specifically, but like even like if I'm trying to teach someone how to play a jig, so it sounds yeah. like a jig. I'm, I'm yeah. not I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing. <laughs> it's like this no. this one is a little bit longer than this one. And, <laughs> so it seems to me like the best way to learn a tradition like this is just to listen a lot and play a lot together with mm. more experienced players and the, it will kind of just um, sieve in in a way even though you're not exactly yeah. sure what it is that you're doing maybe and that's that's why I I, I have a very analytical brain apparently because yeah, I, I'm, I like I'm suffering from whole... the same thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I like that whole comparison between the reels and the polkas that I kind of tried to figure out the difference and, and try to figure out how to explain it to other people too. Um, yeah, I actually went to Ireland more or less to, to figure out if I wanted to keep playing Irish music or or to start only focusing on, on Danish music. Yeah, because and I read on your site that you studied at the Limerick School for a year. Yes, yeah. Uh, just one semester, so three months or four months or something like that. Um, and I came back and I was completely convinced to start only playing Danish music because you can't be the master <laughs> of everything. So I kind of had to choose. And um, I think so far it's worked out pretty well, that choice. I'm pretty happy about it still. Cool. So, um, yeah. Back to the asymmetrical thing. It's not as obvious as the... Um, Norwegian or Swedish, some of those traditions or styles. Gotcha. Yeah. But what if uh, someone wants to learn more about Danish music, where should they start? Like, would you recommend some recordings, websites, performers, festivals? Um, there are a few recordings available on Spotify and those sort of things. I didn't say that out loud, by the way. Don't, don't <laughs> advertise for Spotify. But anyway, but it's there. Uh, and for that sort of thing, I'm happy that it's there. Um, there are recordings of um, two fiddlers uh, that were recorded for the Danish National Radio in the 30s, 1930s. And um, they're called Frederik Iversen and Jens... Uh, sorry, I forgot the other name. But Frederik Iversen. He, yeah, he well, owned we, we can, a we can hotel. put some links in the show notes. Yeah. If, if, if... yeah, we can do that. He owned a hotel or... or some kind of um, dancing place. I'm not sure what to call it, but people came there for the dancing and the social activities. And he he himself and his partner, they played for the dancing. And that's really, that's heavy playing. That's rock and roll, some of it. Um, mm. um, that's a good place to start. And then if you're interested in like archive recordings, there's another. Um, the, there's a whole collection from the Danish um, folkloristic archive um, that was 
um, released a couple of years ago with five albums with 50 recordings on each okay. of songs mainly um, from the beginning of the, uh, the uh, 20th century, um, more or less. And we'll put up a link. Yes, well. we do that. Yes. <laughs> uh, what, what, called, if, what if, it, it, sorry. It's called, called Visa på Valse. Okay. Because they were recorded on these wax um, cylinders. So, yeah, Visa so it på Valse. So it means, some, means something like songs on a cylinder? Yes. <laughs> oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what, what, if so, what if someone don't want to like go down the route of listening to old scratchy archive recordings? Is there an is there a more accessible way to get into Danish music? Um, you mean like a live version? Uh, uh, like cur- current bands who play in a traditional style, or uh, are there any f- festivals that would feature Danish music? Yeah. Um, well, there is a a place called uh, Musik over Prastø Fjord, which is a, a small festival just south of Copenhagen. Um, in the second weekend of August, I think it is. Um, where they mainly have like Scandinavian music, but that's actually the, the I would say the best place to hear traditional Danish music because um, it's being played twenty four seven in the corners of every bush. Oh, uh, nice. So yeah, people play, and there's a lot of the old fiddlers that come there too, just to hang out and have a good time with their families, and that's a really nice place to get that vibe. Um, but, but that, that's again, like, it's a pretty, it's a little bit hard to say where to go to find the, the, like only Danish music because it doesn't really exist because there's a lot of trying to mix things to get attention for the Danish music, um, trying to get some attention, Mm. but to get, gain some attention, you need to invite in stuff that is popular in another environment. Um, I guess. Uh, I think that's a bit, bit of Celtic flavor there. Yeah, something like that, or American, <laughs> or yeah. Um, but the Thunder Music Festival would probably mm. be a place where you can hear Danish music, I would assume. No, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but it's it's very um, it's very focused on what they call handmade music. So it's it's all kind of all kinds of genres really that just where you can play it more or less acoustically. It doesn't mean that it's only acoustic music played with amplification, but it's, it's um, music where you can see what's going on on stage basically. Yeah. So that includes a lot of different things as well as Danish music, but it's, it's very wide range of all sorts yeah. of things. I, I've never been there myself, but I've been wanting to go for ages. So hopefully mm-hmm. it's a very cool festival. Very, very welcoming and it's a nice place to also just <clears throat> hang out mm. and play with your friends and yeah cool now speaking of uh, festivals and hanging out and all that stuff um like obviously you're a musician who uh, you you like to mix different genres and you you play with musicians from different parts of the world like you you guys from Fuskagerak you've been po- constantly popping up on my Instagram feed in different countries and stuff and I think Elisa told me that you now have some sort of a booking arrangement in the States. Um, yes. Yeah. So do, could you, like, I'm guessing many of my listeners are folk musicians themselves. Do you have any tips on how to, like, break into the international scene? Because actually very few Norwegian folk 
acts can be found on the international scene. So it's it's kind of a leap to be able to like get out there. Um, do you have any inside yeah. uh, tips? Um, inside tips. Um, well, start playing with other people than your own nationality. <laughs> That's one thing you can do. Um, but other than that, just because like, they would have connections in other scenes yes, that you don't have. Yeah, mm. and you would make that would be a, a, a way into an uh, um, a music environment that you wouldn't maybe normally go yourself, and it would mm. be easier to get connect, uh, get a bit of network and, and friends and stuff like that. Um, but that's, I think that's the most important thing to to make friends with other people like go to the festivals in the other countries, bring a friend and just kind of hang out with the musicians there. And eventually mm. you're going to stumble into something that makes sense uh, to to um, work on in the future and that sort of thing. I think when I realized that the, the most important thing you can do is to make friends with those people mm. and not to try to get a gig uh, yeah, I get as you. the first thing, um that's probably the the most important thing to remember when you you try to to find out how to go to another country to play concerts and mm, get to know yeah. the 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 people in the scene basically yeah and and not necessarily not necessarily the organizers um but more because th- those people who have who know about all the um contacts um they're probably the the same as you, so musicians, and mm. it's much nicer to get those contacts from a musician friend and say, "Hey, I I got your contact from this person who said hi, by the way." Yeah, maybe you'd be interesting in, interested in my project. Um, but it took a lot of years to realize that that was what was going on, actually, because yeah, or also just like meeting the organizers of something something and not try to get a gig but actually just become friends with them and try to see it as well maybe i'll play there one day but maybe right now it's not the right time and maybe i'm not in that maybe i'm not ready for that no uh it's kind of investing in the investing in the future in a way yeah and just like wait for a, a moment where you feel like well, I could I can see myself playing in that festival without cringing, you know, yeah. <laughs> like without feeling a bit embarrassed about myself or my music or not that you should ever do that. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Feel embarrassed about your music, but there might be um, places that are a bit too big for your music. Maybe not enough people know you, and and you have to kind of wait for the right setting or. Mm. I don't know the right time, but you know when it's there, I think. Um, but so, yeah, most important thing: make friends and stay friends, and keep in touch. Well, that's that's good advice for life in general. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so great. I learned a lot from this chat. Cool. Um, before we wrap up. If people want to learn more about you and your music, uh, where can they do that? They can go to my website, 
mayakær.dk Maja, M-A-J-A-K-J-A-E-R dot D-K. There you go. And I'm actually releasing an album very soon with Danish traditional music from my home area, Central Jutland. Perfect uh, timing. With music. Very good timing, yes. <laughs> uh, with music after all these fiddlers uh, from this area. Um, with the guitarist, Søren Røen, great guitarist, uh, who's also from this area. So, yeah, this is the first album of mine where I'm purely uh, focusing on this type of music. So that would be a good place to start with traditional Danish music today, I guess. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, really enjoyed it. My pleasure. And I hope to see you in real life someday soon. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Okay, thanks for listening to this week's episode. I definitely recommend that you check out some of Maya's music. Um, there'll be links to all of the music discussed in the episode at the show website, uh, which you can find at thefolkmusicpodcast.com. If you want to stay updated on what's going on with the show, you can also sign up for the weekly email newsletter. Uh, then you'll get an email every time a new episode drops with some information about the topics and the guests uh, and also some links to uh, other resources. So um, yeah, you can sign up through the website. You can also follow the Folk Music Podcast on Instagram uh, at the Folk Music Podcast. Um, there you'll get some information about the episodes and also some behind-the-scenes content. So, um, yeah, hope to see you there as well. Uh, that's all for this week, um, but I'm looking forward to uh, to be back for another episode next week. Until then, I hope you have a great time and see you soon. <laughs>